Hey, let me show you something. Come on. Come on. All right, welcome back. Episode 116 of Chaotically Intolerant. Um, great day for, I mean, Michael's here. It's a great day for him. Fantastic day for him. Uh, about the exact opposite for me. But, you know, I think, I think we'll, let's cover, let's cover the Ravens first. I mean, dominant win over a, a fantastic football team in the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I, I was shocked. Um, uh, you know, coming into the game, all the hype was around the Lions. So I really thought that uh, this was going to be one of those moments where the Lions kind of broke out and showed everyone what they were really made of. And, you know, the Ravens were coming off a London game. They were a, a rare team that chose not to take their bye week uh, after playing in London. Not sure what the logic was, but it worked. And um, you know what? The it, it feels like they're getting the hang of the new offense, you know, it was all about fire Greg Roman. And this is the first time that just everything seemed to be clicking today. They had big plays. They just, you know, the defense came up with stops when they needed to. It was just a great all around win and kind of win that all of a sudden the Ravens go from like a very shaky four and two team to like a, a five and two team that you start thinking about like, okay, is this, is this Baltimore team maybe in the upper echelon of the AFC? I mean, it was, it was a resounding win. And there's a part of me that feels like the lions just, were kind of due to lay an egg and both just happened on the same day for the Ravens. But massive yardage totals, Lamar with four touchdowns. I mean, that that's what I think you knew the Ravens could do, but we just didn't know if it was going to happen. And it, and it just was on full display today. Yeah. Um, I honestly, in my bets, I, I bet the lions plus three, I, I felt like, honestly, I felt like it was a little bit of a trap um, heading into this. But I was like, you know, I think the Lions are just a good football team. They've been playing great. Like, I can't really – it's it's hard to really pick against the Lions, especially the Ravens haven't looked awesome, um, to say the least. But, I mean, this was a complete shocker. The, the other team that opted to play instead of take the bye after London was the Jaguars against the Colts, which was the biggest insult, like, possible. And they still just – kick the shit out of us so maybe it's a good thing maybe they need to start playing more um after london yeah and there could be something to it i mean um the traditional feeling is that like yeah you, you got to take the bye week because you know the time change and all that but sometimes the best thing you can do is just get back out there and play football maybe look maybe it catches up the following week you know there's a theory in baseball about coming back from a road trip and things. And sometimes it's that, it's that second game or when you go out to the West coast or whatever it is. So maybe there's something to that, but I think by and large, it it's taken a little bit of time for the Ravens to get the hang of Todd Munkin's uh, 
offense. But maybe today this was the catalyst that they can say, okay, everything's sort of in six. They haven't looked like this. It's not even close to this. I mean, this was just everything you could have imagined. And, and yeah, no, by the way, the defense played really well. I mean, Jackson had a passer rating of close to perfect. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see the Ravens play this well again this year. But if they could play close to it, you know, they put themselves in position to be one of the one of the favorites. I mean, one of the favorites in the AFC, I think. Now, you said it was a good defensive effort. I'm looking at – I mean, again, I didn't really watch this game. I was watching the Colts game. Um, I'm looking at 337 yards from the Lions. Obviously, they held the they held him down. It looks like it was more of a bend don't break mentality. Um, but give me a little bit of insight into how they had three hundred thirty seven yards and only scored six points. Well, a lot of it was a lot of it was stops, you know, in the red zone and four tech. I mean, the the Lions were only in the red zone once, so those yards, a lot of them. I mean, I would say a good chunk of them were garbage yards because the Ravens had a big lead early. Uh, I would say they had a few fourth down stops. I think the Lions were like two for six on fourth down. So they made the stops. Uh, and again, the, the, the yards that they gave up were between the 20s, I think. And, and that's fine. Um, and when you score points early, your defense doesn't have to be as, as dominant, you know, as normally. So as you normally would. But I think the fact they got five sacks to Jared Goff, it was, it was just a very well-rounded, Effort. And Kyle Van Noy, former Lion, former Patriot, um, fountain of youth, he had two sacks today. You know, you, you start thinking about the Ravens, uh, they, they'll go after a lot of these guys later in their careers, veteran guys, you know, Calais Campbell, uh, Justin Houston, and sometimes it works out. And Kyle Van Noy, that's, you know, a guy that has winning experience. I like that pickup. He came up big against his old team today. Yeah. Um, Needless to say, it's it's the best week for the Ravens. I mean, yeah, they they look good. Um, all right, let's move on. Move on to the next. I want to talk about the Colts. Um, that I I I I'm I don't even know what to say. First of all, every single fan out there is going to go out and blame the officiating. Which I mean, the the illegal touching, whatever they call it, I call it illegal touching. Um, not a great call. It was kind of a chicken shit call. It was very ticky tacky, but it was an illegal, you know, illegal touching basically. Um, but the pass interference in the end zone, I mean, that was, I was screaming at the TV that how the fuck do you call that? Like there's absolutely no way in your right mind that you can make that call. Um, there needs to be some sort of financial, financial, you know, some sort of fines for these, for these refs. I mean, good Lord. They've, I've seen so many bad calls just today, and I, I think it's just that's how it's been. Now, obviously, if you're a ref, you don't get thanked for the good calls, but when you make bad calls like that, it really changes the game. But I want to put that aside. It, a great team does not put themselves in a situation where they need the referee to to make a call, where, where a bad call from a ref is a backbreaker. I mean, I you look at the Chiefs, you look at – I mean, just great teams like the Eagles, like obviously in the Super Bowl, two great teams, that's one thing. But I mean, most of the year last year, they weren't in those close games where those bad calls were were backbreakers. I mean, I just, I, I can't understand how people only look at that and say, wow, like the Colts played fantastic. The Colts gave away 17 points. 
They gave them 17 points. There was the obvious, beyond obvious. You're inside your own 10. You are winning the game at that point. You're winning going into the half. Inside the 10, what do you do? A normal head coach, a good head coach like Bill Belichick, he would run the damn ball up the middle. You're already running the ball well at that point. Just keep fucking running it. Just keep running it. But they didn't do it. They passed it twice with with uh, Miles Garrett, who clearly has his ears pinned back, ready to pounce, and then they give up a touchdown. There's seven. All right, now it's third and 13. All right, you're in field goal range. It'll You know, it'll be a long field goal, but it's not bad. But you're in field goal range, 54-yarder. If you just run the ball, maybe closer. They don't run the ball. They run a screen play that has been blown up almost every single time by the Browns. It gets blown up. You lose six. Then you go and kick a 50-yarder. Surprise, surprise, Miles Garrett blocks the fucking kick. They end up going down and kicking a field goal. Gardner Minshew fumbles. They end up scoring a touchdown on the fumble. Shane Steichen, just play calling-wise, gave away 10 points. Those, those first two instances were all Shane Steichen. He gave away 10 points. The other time was on Minshew. He needs to learn to tuck the goddamn ball and just go down like Tom Brady's. And, and Peyton Manning does. I mean, good Lord. And, and I have so much evidence on Shane Steichen. And I think he's the entire reason this Colts team is three and four. This Colts team reasonably could have two losses right now. Two losses, and they would both be to Jacksonville. Week one, Colts against Jacksonville. Didn't kick it on, on fourth down. Two drives in a row in field goal range. They did that. They did not take the points. We ended up losing by 10, but we were down three late in the game. Week four, didn't kick the field goal on on fourth down again during the comeback. We ended up tying it at the end of regulation, which we would have won the game. Week six, eight rushes in the first half in Jacksonville with Zach Tay- or, um, Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. We were down three scores and didn't kick a field goal late in the game. We would have ended up being down by eight if we would have kicked the field goal later in that game. And then again, how I talked about in week seven. Shane Steichen is Frank Reich. <laughs> I mean, I've, re- I've said it repeatedly. He is Frank Reich. Um, Frank Reich, actually, at this point last year, Frank Reich was 3-3-1 three, three, and one instead of 3-4. and four. He had a better record, and he also had beaten the Chiefs. I don't want Frank Reich, but Shane Steichen and Frank Reich are the same person, in my opinion, and it's disgusting to me, and I'm, I'm sick and tired of, of people defending Shane Steichen when he's the reason we were even in the situation in the first place. But you know what? Congrats to the Browns. You're a gift to the fucking coach. <laughs> yeah. Just to, hey, he's a young coach. Well, we cut him some slack kind of thing. I I just, I'm, I'm tired of hearing the, you know, everyone says cut him some slack. When there's plenty of young coaches out there that are fantastic. And this guy is from the Frank Reich College of, of Coaching. I mean, he, he has come right from Nick Sirianni back to Indianapolis. That's what the Eagles and Colts do. They trade everything. It's incestual at this point. I think you cut out a little bit. Hello? Can you can you hear me all right? I can hear you now. Can you hear me all right? Hello? You're kind of muffled. There you go. There it is. Hello? Right there. Uh, I said, you know, it seems like teams kind of go. Well, that stinks. Let's call him back. Uh, we're going to call him back. Sometimes you're going to drop a call, right? This is about, this is what the show is. 
Hey, sorry. Can, I, I, think you, for I think you Can dropped, you? yeah. What were you going to say? I was saying teams don't really think outside the box hiring coaches. They kind of tend to just go for who's the hot coordinator, who's the flavor of the month, and sometimes it doesn't work out. You just wonder if some of these odd choices. Um, it just seems like any time a guy, you know, coordinator is doing well for a team previously, he's just a head coaching candidate. But maybe there's, you know, great coordinators don't always make head coaches, uh, great head coaches. Exactly. I, I 100% agree. Um, and it's ironic because these guys, they they think outside, you know, they you said they think outside of the box or they, they don't think outside they of the box. Outside. They keep going to the same people, but all their coaches try to think outside of the box and try to do unique things when you should just do the thing that works consistently. And they don't do that. Right. Coaching has, uh, there's just a lot of bad coaching. It seems like these days in yeah. the NFL, uh, it just does feel like that. You know, I don't know what the reason is. And then, Coaches, they, I mean, he's Brandon Staley, like, for example. Man, that guy is just does not – just doesn't get it. I, I don't know. Analytics, they, they, they don't coach with their head. They, they coach with a computer or something. It's, it's very strange to me. At this point, I mean, we should just have the computer be the head coach. Uh, they're, they, have, they are puppets for the computer. The computer should be used as a guide for what you should do. But you should have enough trust in your own coaching ability to throw the computer away and say, you know what? I think we should do this instead. This makes more sense than what the computer says. Have you ever typed anything into chat GPT? I mean, the chat GPT is a computer and it sounds ridiculous half the time. I'm not trusting I'm not trusting chat GPT with my football team. Uh yeah, it's very it's 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 very like too modern. It's uh, you know, you can tell it's robotic, and that's what coaching is starting to feel like. Very robotic, mechanical. You know, coaches that they look at the the card tells them when to go for two. The the analytics tell them when to go for it on fourth down. There's no feel for the game. I mean, it's and it's it's an epidemic across baseball too. And I think about you know the decisions in in the last few World Series we've seen it. You know, Game Six manager has a preconceived plan that he's going to pull his starter third time through the lineup and it's backfired. I mean, you have to coach with your gut and your head. And it seems like the only coach right now who's just running laps around the NFL, speaking of guts, he's got a big one, but Andy Reid. <laughs> they, yeah, they just, they just beat the chargers. Um, a thrashing. I mean, we're, we're kind of jumping around, but let's, let's go to the chiefs and chargers. I mean, is this a shock? at all that the chargers played a close game until the end. And then, and then the chiefs just kind of imposed their will more than anything. Yeah. I mean, the, the chargers, this is, I mean, they're terrible. I don't, I don't know what people see in them. I don't know what the, the, the love affair is with Justin Herbert. They've, they've so many failed signings like JC Jackson, you know, guys that they, they would have counted on, you know, they get a big day from Joshua Palmer, but nobody else does anything. They had a turnover in the red zone. I mean, I was expecting the Chargers, like this game would end where the Chargers would score a touchdown, go for two and miss it or something, like very Chargers. But they just settled for getting shut out in the second half. And, I mean, until we see otherwise, it's, it's really deflating, especially being, uh, I guess, in both of our cases, fans of AFC teams. But 
it just feels like the Chiefs can't be caught. They're just they're just running a race, you know, three or four lengths ahead of everybody else. It really does. Now, I mean, personally, would the Chargers score 30 points a game if they just had a competent coach? Because, my God, like, look at their weapons and then what they're actually able to do. He might be the most inefficient coach in NFL history. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – like, it's just never been about talent. It's been about culture for the Chargers, in my opinion. Well, I mean, they rent out they're, – they're not even – their home stadium isn't even their home at this point. Why do we even have an LA Chargers? I, I just, I don't get it. The money, I don't even understand the money. They're not really making that much money. I can't imagine they'd be making that much money. Well, if you saw the, we were talking LA, I know we're talking the Chargers, but if you saw the Rams game, my God, that was, um, you know, my God, that was a home game for the Steelers. It's worse for the, it's probably worse for the Chargers because they don't, I mean, a lot of their fans, although it's weird, you would think maybe the Chargers would actually have a little more of a local fan base because they played in San Diego, whereas the Rams hadn't been in L.A. for about two decades. Uh, but it is, I, I mean, look, I lived in Los Angeles. I have a big dislike of the sports scene, the sports vibe there. Something about the warm weather places. I mean, you know, being in Florida, but in L.A., I mean, it, it was that way with the Dodgers, even the Lakers. It just doesn't feel like there is a a real connection between city and team, and it's uh, it's very you know I don't know if it's deflating. The Rams won a Super Bowl, but the Chargers, my God, they are the San Diego Chargers. I'm sorry, they are the San Diego Chargers who just happen to be playing in L.A. at this point. Yeah, I feel like the the move of the city. I think if you move your city, you have to leave the state. In my opinion, you cannot change the the home name, but still be in the same state. I don't care how big the state is, because I mean, San Diego, California, going to L.A. I mean, it's 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 nothing. It's a nothing burger to me, except you just took it away from the great people of San Diego who, you know, I mean, they're already blessed with the weather that they have out there. But now they sure. I mean, they lose their their favorite football team that they love for years. Well, they're down to one professional sports team there, and the Padres don't seem to bring a lot of joy. They had a little moment last year, but um, it's, I'm telling you, it's a culture thing. It's an ownership thing. They're, they're cheap. They don't ever seem to invest really in big-time coaches. You never hear them in, like, the, the John Gruden, Bill Cowher sweepstakes, right? It's, oh, we'll try Anthony Lynn. We'll try Brandon Staley, and we'll, you know, we'll make a few signings that, that look good on paper, but there's just no, there's no accountability. Yeah. Um, let's go to the Chiefs. Uh, Taylor Swift was there. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Every week now. Um, she uh, She's going back on tour, so I think she had to come to this game. Um, is uh, how, how many concerts is Travis going to get to go to? <laughs> let's, do, let's do an uh, over-under on that. <laughs> That's a good question. It's going to be a lot. We're going to, I mean, does she go to every game? I don't think she went my to question. every single game. I think she went to most of them. Yeah, I think she may have missed the Vikings game. Yes, I think so. But, uh, yeah, it's starting to be, I mean, it just feels like, doesn't this feel like the Patriots 
Absolutely. This is, I mean, they literally did the thing that Bill Belichick would do. They let a guy go in the off season and then they signed him back in McCole Hardman this time. And he just, he, right. he had like they, a big punt return late in the game. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought about that. I thought about, I don't know if Frank Clark's been picked up yet, but he was a, a chief and a Bronco. And, and I feel like he could be a chief again by the time the playoffs roll around. It's, yeah. It just, it's depressing in a way. I mean, you have Mahomes and every game Kelsey's been in there, they've won. It's not like, yeah, I mean, I know they have a loss on their record, but didn't that even kind of feel like an asterisk, honestly? Oh, brother, don't get me started. <laughs> so people giving the, the Lions win an asterisk. I mean, I mean, I get it. You know, it's, it's injuries, but everyone deals with injuries. Um, I would say that one loss is is more you can chalk up to the Lions are a good football team, but also the Chiefs are they were trying to find their footing. I think I think it's a you can give the Lions their flowers while also saying, yeah, the Chiefs maybe weren't a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm just saying that it's hard to beat the Chiefs when they have their full Oh, when back. they're fully not yeah. anything yeah. Absolutely. Um all right, let's so uh, you know that go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Where are we going next? All right. Um, let's go. Let's go to the Thursday game. Um, let's go Jag Saints here. Um, the Jags almost blew this game. The Jags are still. They're a great. They're a good football team. They'll probably win the South at this point. The Colts are two back, um, and Houston's also right there too. Um, but they did almost kind of let this one get away from them. Yeah, yeah. What was the final? It was thirty-one twenty-four. They scored a touchdown with uh, three minutes and eight seconds. It was a forty-four-yard touchdown to Christian Kirk, but the game was tied at that point. Right, right. Yeah, that. Well, the you know they had it. The Saints had a chance there. They dropped the touchdown at the end. Um, I don't know if Derek Carr is the guy. I really don't. You know for the Saints, but for the Jaguars, like, weren't they 0-2? They they look like they figured it out. A couple of these teams that, you know, maybe it just takes a little time for teams like Jacksonville and the Ravens to sort of get up to full speed. Um, uh, I think Jacksonville in that division, obviously, as you know, it's, it's not going to be much of a challenge for them. So they can almost kind of treat the regular season as a chance to try some things out, right? Doesn't it feel like that? It, it, I think it depends on who you play. Obviously, I think if you're playing a, a possible playoff team, you want to go in there and just try and shut them down as quickly as you possibly can. Um, but, I mean, if you're playing like a shitty team, especially like Tennessee, although they do struggle with Tennessee, um, but, you know, most NFC South teams, I think they can go around and play with them a little bit. Right, right. I mean, they they – uh, you know, longer season, I feel like they're probably going to be able to wrap up the division in early to mid-December and have a luxury that, that other teams might not have. So yeah. uh, that's the good news for them. They can get some momentum. You know, I don't know if wrestling guys hurt momentum, but it does it does set them up to, you know, uh, just kind of make sure everyone's healthy going into January. Yeah. Yeah. Um... All right, Bills Patriots, the shocker of the week. 
I lost both of my survivor leagues because of the goddamn bills. Um, I also had Gabe Davis and the bills defense in my fantasy league did nothing. Absolutely. My fantasy team is one in six right now at this point. Um, but the bills are kind of mid, I would say um, they looked horrible against the giants. And I think I said, I'm tired of thinking the bills are going to be good. And they're a four and three football team right now. And the dolphins are five and one. I mean, they could be two games out by the end of the week. Um, I'm not shocked. I remember a few weeks back you were saying, oh, you're ready to maybe dance on the Bills' grave. I think now is the time to do that, honestly. I feel like uh, Josh Allen doesn't he, – he's just not able to take over games with his physicality the way that he was before. I mean, and also their biggest problem – they're running. They're not running the ball well. I mean, they ran. They ran for eighty-one yards today. They. I don't know what their deal is. They, it never feels like, even when they put up big rushing numbers, it doesn't feel like they're a good rushing team, and it doesn't feel like they're a good goal line team. And it took them a while to punch the ball in late in the game, and then defensively, they just it just looked like they didn't have almost like didn't have the heart to stop New England at the end. Uh, they just let him go down the field after you thought you, you thought after being rejuvenated um, and getting the lead, it, it just didn't, it was just an uninspired defensive drive for the bills. And yeah, I, I don't know. Allen makes funky decisions. They just, you hate this, but the bills are a classic underachieving team. And it, that always comes down to coaching in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, if I, I feel like the Patriots have been one of the worst offenses in the league the last, you know, I mean, really the entire season. They gave the Dolphins a, a good little fight in week two, I want to say. Um, but besides that, I mean, they have not showed any sort of life. And here, their offense, I mean, I, I remember I was like kind of watching the game and suddenly they're they're down on the Bills one with with like 20 seconds to go it's like what happened to the bills defense that's supposed to be this you know hard-hitting strong defense where'd they go because they're not showing up yeah there's just no um again they're not they're not a championship team i don't know what happened to them it felt like last year they really had a chance and i it's hard to not think about them fumbling the snap on their own one yard line at the end when they literally just needed to fall forward to win the game. And they could have had a first round bye. They could have, I mean, obviously the DeMar Hamlin stuff messed them up, but it just seems like they're broken. They're just broken. And it, it doesn't, I don't know if this version can be fixed. Doesn't mean Josh Allen can't be fixed, but I mean, it really ever since kind of ever since that game against the chiefs in the playoffs a couple of years ago, they, it just it just crushed their spirit. Yeah, they haven't recovered. I I also think this is a the media has been just putting Bill Belichick's head on a spear. They're saying he's done. They're saying he should be fired. I feel like this was a classic Bill Belichick get up and go type of game where he was just able to to motivate the whole team, saying they don't believe in you. They think you should lose your job. You know, and I think Bill is good for a few of these every year where he goes out and, you know, maybe his game planning or, or it's just his his essence on the sideline will beat, a you know, a, 
above average to really good football team. Well, it reminds me a little bit of Belichick's first year. That was the only year where the Patriots have ever been really bad under Belichick. And Brady was a rookie, didn't play, and the Pats were 5-11. and 11. And they had a couple wins that year. They beat Peyton Manning and the Colts. Uh, they always gave, of course, Manning trouble. And uh, they had, you know, they won a game in Denver early that year. And I just remember that Belichick still is one of the best all-time well, – he's one of the best all-time, period. But he's one of the best at – getting the most out of his guys and keeping his team from ever being a true embarrassment. I think you're right. As much as people wanted Belichick's head and they're one in five and it was easy to just pile on the dirt on their grave and, you know, the dynasty's dead and all that, that you got to remember this is, they're not that bad of a football team. They've got a great head coach. They've always looked, they've always beaten the bills over the years. The last few years, it's been different without Brady, but I mean, Belichick has 300 wins and I guess, like 30 or five or 35 or 40 of them have been against the Bills. So it's not completely unfamiliar territory. But, yeah, I bet that that speech in the locker room before the game was pretty inspired. And who knows? The Pats are two and five, but they've won two division games. I think they play Miami coming up, if I'm not mistaken. So in a, in a year where nobody's – I mean, Miami's playing well, but Miami plays Philly, and who knows? Maybe New England isn't – isn't even dead for the division at this point. I mean, they still have hope. Yeah. Um, all right. Commanders Giants. This this looks like a game that I would honestly just rather watch soccer than than watch this game. I mean, the three and three Washington Commanders and the two and four New York Giants. Um, Daniel Jones had two passing touchdowns all year. And Tyrod Taylor had two put passing touchdowns in this game. So that's something to say. <laughs> yeah, the Giants, are, again, sometimes you just look at the records. Sometimes you only just have to look at records, and you just have to kind of say, like, yeah, the Giants that bad that they're going to be one in six. And it kind of looks right. Like, okay, they, now they have two wins, and the Commanders are, what, a three-win team? Yeah, it feels right. You know, sometimes that's the only logic you need for these Things just even out a little bit. Tyrod Taylor had a couple touchdowns playing in relief. They maybe get a little more. Look, the, the Giants could have won that game last week against the Bills. They were a yard away from doing it. They beat the Commanders. You know, it's a longer season now and the expanded playoffs. I mean, every team at this point in the year, in the past, you know, one in five, you're, you're dead in the water. But now, you know, you win a game like this and you say, oh, well, they won 14 to seven against the Commanders. But you know, you, you blink, they could win another game, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, they're three and five, and they're kind of hanging around the wild card. You just never know. Um, coming up, they have the Jets, which you never know with the Jets. And it's also a home-and-home, home, you know, with the Jets. Um, and then you have the Raiders, very winnable game. Cowboys, the, as much as I hate the Cowboys, I don't see that happening. Um Commanders, Patriots, Packers, Saints. I mean, and then you have a tougher schedule towards the end of the year. But a very favorable schedule, um, I think, to say the least. Yeah, and, I mean, again, well, I don't know. There's some good teams in the NFC. But if trends hold up from today, you say, well, Detroit's like 5-2, and two, and they're one of the good teams. But, I don't know, maybe are they that good? Or, uh, no, the 49ers have some injuries. I mean, nobody – there, there's no reason for any team to quite pack it in just yet. So for the Giants, look, 
they know they were a postseason team last year and they've had their challenges. Maybe you take those early lumps, but then you win a couple games and the tide starts to turn. So we'll see. Wouldn't completely count the Giants out. Um, certainly if they lose the Jets, different story. But if they beat the Jets, you know, then for one week at least they're the talk of New York. So who knows? All right. Um, Falcons, Buccaneers. Uh, I feel like <laughs> we're just we're just going back and forth, which is fantastic football games here. Um, Desmond Ritter found a way to win, but he's not the guy. He still is not the guy, in my opinion. Um, and, uh, the Bucks, they have a culture of running the ball well, but they are not running the ball well, like at all. Yeah, they're not. And, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield's coming back to earth. The Bucks were kept in it by some Falcons turnovers. Like Ritter fumbled, you know, fumbled through the ends. I think the Falcons actually made that two end zone fumbles. I mean, it was stupid NFC South football is exactly what it was. And the Falcons were just a little less dumb in the end and kicked a long field goal. But, I mean, look at the just look at the quarterbacks in that division. That kind of sums it all up, doesn't it? I mean, who's the best quarterback in the NFC South right now? Probably Baker. Or, or Baker Mayfield. I mean, that, there you go. You don't need to say much more than that. Yeah, it sounds like a uh, like 2017 AFC wildcard race. Baker Mayfield or Derek Carr. That's that's like it comes down to the final game for the final wildcard spot. Forgive your uh, inaccuracies. I don't think Baker Mayfield was in the league in 2017, but I get your point. It was just, 18, right? whatever. 18, 19, yeah. something like that. Oh, it all blends together. No, I agree with you. I mean, you have – you have four very mediocre at best quarterbacks that entire division. I mean, I, I, I will say for Atlanta, though, I mean, they do have some weapons. Kyle Pitts had some big plays today. I, Ritter's, like, I feel like the difference with the Falcons is Ritter could be the guy that, you know, holds them back a little bit. I mean, they have some talent around him. Um, I think, you know, Robinson running the football, like, you know, Pitts, uh, Drake London. I mean, they, they have some playmakers. Their defense comes up with – you know, big plays from time to time. To me, if I like, if I was picking the division right now, I'd lean towards picking the Falcons right now to win that division. I don't know why, I just kind of do. Now, the I would say the best thing for the Falcons season right now would be to sit Ritter and start Heineke. I feel like Heineke's the just the more explosive quarterback. He's the one that's going to give them the better chance to win games. But if you sit Ritter this year. Are you basically telling him we're giving up on you? Because this is his third year or his second year? Uh, Ritter's second year. Okay, so maybe you give him another year, but but I feel like that's either saying you're done this year or you're putting all that pressure on him next year, saying if you don't do it, you're you're done, done. You're you're out the door. So you think maybe that's why they're sticking with him that for this long? Uh, yeah. I mean, what else? Where else are they going to go at this point? They're not going to end up with a high draft pick, so kind of feel like they're in a little bit of a rock and a hard place. And they could maybe turn to Heineke, but at this point, I guess they're figuring like let's 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 at least give him a little time. I mean, we think he's not the guy, and he probably isn't, but maybe the feeling is just uh, let's. Let's see if he can gain a little confidence 
put a good team around him. I, I don't know. I just don't know what direction they're going to go after this. Um, I, I think that they might have been better off to have, like, a veteran in there to kind of just be a stabilizing guy. They don't need to necessarily gamble on a young guy who may or may not, you know, hurt their chances of winning. Uh, but you wonder if, like, if this was five years ago, Matt Ryan, with this team, would the Falcons be in better shape? I mean, I know you're thinking probably Matt Ryan, Colts years, but let's say if it was, you know, even just three or four years ago, Matt Oh, Ryan, that MVP Matt Ryan was a was a fantastic player. Well, Matt, yeah, but, but not MVP Matt Ryan, but I'm even saying just, you know, maybe a couple years after that, still serviceable, smart veteran quarterback Matt Ryan over a guy like Desmond Ritter. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Raiders bears. This was the worst game to even preview. I mean, you had two undrafted backup quarterbacks starting, um, and the bears are back. I mean, the bears are, let's, let's just say it right now. They're two and five. The bears are absolutely back. They get their first home wins in September of 2022. Um, and Deontay Foreman, I think that's Deontay Foreman. Um, he had 16 carries, 89 yards, and two touchdowns. So, Bears are back. I mean, let's just call it how it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Raiders, like, it's just, uh, there's just a lot of bad. I mean, are there more? Are we just noticing it now, or are there just more bad football teams than ever? Is it just like the bad teams are leaning into it more these days, hoping to tank, or do we just, do we just, you know, we're just getting older as football fans and noticing the sort of like lagging quality of a lot of teams. Cause I don't know. These are just hard to watch a game like this. It's, I think it's pretty much down the middle. I, I think it's both. I think it's bad coaching or worse coaching. And also I think there are more teams realizing, Hey, we really need a, a top quarterback to, to be able to compete. And if you don't have that top quarterback, what the hell are you going to do? Right, exactly. You're very handicapped by that. Um, but yeah, not much to talk about in this game. I mean, I just I hate the Raiders. I hate Josh McDaniels so much. I not because of the Colts thing. I, I think probably a good move for him and us. I think we still did better with Reich than we could have done with him. But um, I just think he's a he sounds like a scumbag from from what I've heard about him. Um, let's see. Talk Lions, Ravens. All right, uh, Steelers-Rams, the afternoon game. One of the afternoon games. Um, Steelers going to steal a win, and they're 4-2. and two. They look good. There was a questionable call on a first down at the end of the game. Um, but, again, they did this last year where they started out really slow, and then they went on an absolute tear towards the end of the season. Um, what are the odds we see that again? Because Deontay Johnson's back. Oh, I mean, again, the Steelers are like the anti-Chargers, where Chargers can put all the talent on the field that they want and never win. And the Steelers can, you know, put all the roadblocks in front of them that they want and still always win. I mean, they – obviously the Steelers have some talent too. I'm not saying that they don't. But look at how they came out and played in week one and then look against uh, San Francisco and then look at how they played against uh, Houston and whatever, week four, whenever that was. Um you know, it's still only Kenny Pickett's second year, right? I think, like, the expectation is he's going to do what Roethlisberger did because Steelers have been foiled in that regard. But 
the healthier they get, the more they – look, the Steelers – I don't see this version of the Steelers team being a team that goes out and, and wins in, like, really flashy fashion and blowing teams out. I mean, they're, they are comfortable playing these kind of games. You know, even when you say, well, you know, they only beat this team by three points, they only beat this team by six points. That's exactly how the Steelers have always done it. I think they're going to be a real problem all year. I mean, obviously, as a Ravens fan, I'm hoping they don't win the division, but I think they're going to be in the wild card hunt, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a gritty win because the Rams kind of had them on the ropes there for a little bit today. I know it was like a Steeler home game, but you're still 3,000 miles from home playing a football game against a pretty solid Rams team. So, um, I would say the Steelers are definitely in the hunt. Definitely not a team to be taken lightly. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of rushing towards Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, you you kind of I guess when you have the same quarterback for you know twenty twenty years or something like that, it's kind of hard to let go of the of the hey, maybe your quarterback's going to suck. Maybe the quarterback play is going to suck for a little while. I mean, I experienced that but I just had Andrew Luck, I mean, to come right in after Manning. So, you know, I'm, I'm still going through it, but Kenny, I mean, if, when he's good, he's good, <laughs> but I mean, I feel like when he's bad, he is horrendous. And if he can just be good, he doesn't have to be great. If he can just be good, this team has enough talent where I feel like they can do something because their defense is always going to be good. That's, that's the Steeler way to play really good defense and run the freaking ball. And they're not running the ball that well. 86 yards in total, which isn't isn't fantastic whatsoever. Um, and I'm getting sick and tired of Jalen Warren as your Najee Harris owner. Get his ass out of here. Ship him off to fucking China. All right? I don't want him. I don't want him at all. Nobody wants him running the ball. Oh, boy. All right. Um... Seahawks Cardinals Seahawks get a win against the Cardinals um it, it looked a little close I think more of the story for the Cardinals than anything is uh Kyler Murray is off the pup list and they're probably going to want him to play uh yeah I mean well I don't know what the what I guess what there's two schools of if he doesn't play maybe they draft the quarterback I don't What's his contract situation, right? Is he on his, he's a free agent next year? Uh, they signed him to a big ex- extension. Okay, so he needs to play. But I, I I, think Josh Jobs has played pretty solid football, honestly. I mean, the Cardinals the last few weeks have looked more like the Cardinals we expected. But those first few weeks, man, they were really right there. And we, we thought, well, they got 0-17 written all over them, and then they got that win over Dallas, and they kind of, you know, hung in there a little bit against San Francisco and took the Giants down to the wire, the Commanders. The last few weeks, they started to look more like the outfit we expected. Thankfully for me, because Seattle was my survivor pick this week, um, wasn't a loss, but uh, I, I think we'll see Kyler Murray. I, I think Arizona, they, I mean, if you sign an extension, why are you not going to play him, right? He's an ex- he's a free agent in 2029, and there is a potential out in 2028. So I don't understand the talk of of I mean, how are you going to get rid of him? Are you going to cut him? I mean, that's he's he's two years into his contract. I could understand playing him if you want him to lose because I feel like he's honestly a worse option for them than Josh Dobbs, based on how Dobbs has been playing. 
yeah, I mean, there's no, there's merit to that. I mean, uh, and and Kyler, you know, he hasn't had a training camp uh, or a preseason, so he may need time. I mean, maybe they just work him in a little bit uh, for a few weeks, kind of see how he does. Kind of, you know, there's no there's no harm in doing that. I mean, I guess the harm could be the Dobbs and psyche, but you know, you can get Kyler Murray on the field um, in game situations. I mean, certainly the Cardinals will have some opportunities probably where they're getting blown out and there'll be garbage time to see if Murray's, you know, ready to just go right back in there. Yeah. Um, quick, quick, I guess, a really expensive quarterback not playing football. Um, Deshaun Watson went out with concussion symptoms today. He was cleared to come back, but they left P.J. Walker in. And as a Colts fan, I was begging the Browns to bring Watson back in because Watson looked so bad and PJ Walker is just dependable. That's what he is. He doesn't he doesn't throw he's not as bad as Deshaun Watson right now. So that's just a quick little you know, I, I had to mention it. Um because they were he was just so bad today. Um there's not really much to say on the Seahawks in this game, honestly. I, I feel like they they just did what they were supposed to do more than anything. Yeah, I mean, week one, they, they got it handed to him by the Rams at home. Geno had one really bad interception uh, when it was 17-10, and they kind of had a chance to, you know, get a field goal, get a little breathing room. I mean, they, they ultimately got bailed out by the fact that it was Arizona. And for the most part, his numbers were pretty good today. Um, but to Seattle credit, because, you know, after week one, they came back and beat the Lions. A lot of people felt like last year might have been a fluke with Geno and getting to the playoffs. And now here they are at 4-2, and two, and the Niners – ever there was a time where they were vulnerable with some injuries it's right now so Seattle certainly couldn't let this opportunity go by the wayside you know they had to they had to take advantage of it and um an interesting game next week by the way with you're talking about the Browns Browns play in Seattle next week a couple of four and two teams I could expect PJ Walker to start next week I wouldn't be shocked well I mean could be Watson has looked shock me either Seattle yeah from the quarter of Watson that I saw today he looked horrendous he looked like he did not even care he looked like he cared more about getting his massage at the end of the game than he cared about actually playing football right um yeah final game uh and then we'll, we'll do a little Monday night preview but uh Broncos 19 Packers 17 I thought the Broncos were going to tank somehow they're screwing that up too because um Sean Payton really really wants Caleb Williams and he wants Russell Wilson to get the fuck out of there um but the Broncos do pull off a clutch win the Packers came back down uh 16 nothing and and actually took the lead at one point um but I mean the Packers Jordan Love is just I don't think he's the guy and the Broncos, I mean, what the Broncos fucking suck, man. I mean, they're they're just the Broncos. Yeah, it was a again, just like a Raiders Bears kind of game, right? AFC West versus uh, NFC North kind of played out the same way. I don't know, um, you know, Denver. I, I thought they were going to tank too, but again, the Packers got down so big that even when they came back, Denver only needed a field goal. Yeah. Love, he was doing well. I mean, they started out well, doing one maybe. Um, 
it's hard to tell. I don't think the Packers have the most talented team around them. Uh, again, run for at least any interceptions, but he was under 200 yards. Um, it's crazy because as bad as Denver's defense was those first few weeks, if the defense held Kansas City to 19, held Green Bay to 17. They play Kansas City next week. You know, as awful as this season has been for the Broncos, you just think about it, if they can pull off one crazy upset next week, and they'd be three and five in a pretty tepid, well, at least the tepid division. I mean, not that finishing second would guarantee them a playoff first, but again, this is what I was saying. It's, you know, longer season. You, yeah, with like the Broncos are terrible, and Wilson stinks, and the Peyton probably wants to tank and get Caleb Williams, but you could blink and the Broncos could be like four and six, and all of a sudden in the thick of the playoff race. And it's disgusting because they're a terrible football team by all accounts. And yet it's, it's just so much terribleness around them that somebody may end up squeaking into playing postseason football at about the caliber of the Broncos at this point. Yeah. I mean, the Colts could sneak in and, and, and play postseason football. I mean, that's just how bad it's, it's been, I mean, you're looking at the AFC playoff picture right now. I know it's early, but I mean, the Raiders three and four, they're right there too. Um, and they're, they're a game back of the bills right now at four and three, who are the number seven seed. So it's not crazy to think any of these teams, I mean, the jets are there, the Texans are there. The Titans are two and four. The Chargers are two and four. You have a two and five page. I mean, every single team in the AFC, you could kind of make a case for to make the playoffs. You know, I mean, if they go on a if they go on a run. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then let's talk the Monday game, 49ers Vikings. You know that the Vikings are going to play above. I'm going to tell you the story of the game. They're going to play above their pay grade. They're going to go out, they're going to play the Niners tough, and then the Niners are going to impose their will, and they're going to win by six. And it's going to be the continued, oh, my God, the Vikings can't win one possession games. That's what's going to happen. I mean, it's that's just what it is. Uh, or or the Vikings are just going to get like a garbage time touchdown to go down by eight, and and we'll say, oh, man, they, they, you know, they could have won every single game they played, but this Niners team is too good. I don't care that they lost to the Browns. They needed some sort of... I guess let down spot really. Um, and, and I, I think they're glad it's early more than anything because I just, I don't see any world where the Vikings win. You know, I don't know. Debo Samuel's got a hairline fracture and Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams could all be out. So it's not a matter of are the Vikings truly good enough, but if the Niners are not at full strength, here's a, here's a good thing to look at. You know, there's so much uh, of a the narrative around Kirk Cousins can't win in prime time. He's got a terrible, you know, playoff record and, and Monday night prime time record. Um, but God forbid, if they get in, if the Niners get into a situation where Brock Purdy has to, like, play well. We were talking about how he doesn't, he doesn't have to do too much, right? He can be efficient and there's so much talent around him. But if the Niners have some injuries, it could be a moment where you know, the Niners – probably should still win because they're a physical football team. They still have a lot of talent. But this could be the moment where Brock Purdy shows people like, hey, I'm not just that guy that, you know, you just plug and play, right? I can go out there and I can get other guys involved and we can win a game without potentially 
three of our best offensive players. So that's what I'm curious to see. I mean, the Vikings are just, you know, you knew they were going to come back there. It's just the law of averages kicking them in the teeth right now. And then they'll do the same thing next year. Well, they'll go 13 and three and they'll win 11 <laughs> one, one point games. I mean, it's, it's going to, I hope this is what the Vikings do for the rest of their lives. They just go back and forth <laughs> constantly. Yeah. Maybe it's a Kirk Cousins effect. I don't know. I mean, he's still he's still doing pretty damn well, I would say. You know, I mean, he's making his money, and uh, I'm enjoying watching him on that Netflix documentary. But uh, without Justin Jefferson now, that's another thing, right? It's, it's, I'm not sure what Jefferson's status is, but I don't think he's playing. He's on IR, right? So, um, they're, yeah, they're just – whatever that mojo was, just – is gone and Kirk Cousins himself is not, con- you know, he's not conjuring it up. It'll be a good one tonight, though. We got a good game tonight, too. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The uh, the Eagles and Dolphins, too. I must have missed that one. Um, yeah. This one, this one, I mean, this, this is the first time I felt like that the Sunday night game is deserves it. You know, this, this deserves to be the Sunday night game. Yeah, I mean, good job by the schedule makers because I think next week, is it next week where it's the Bears and the Chargers, like something god-awful that needs to be flexed immediately? Um, yeah, Dolphins that's exactly Eagles. what it is. <laughs> yeah, Dolphins-Eagles should be a fun game. Um, Philadelphia coming off a loss. You know, how do they respond? Last year they they only lost what, one game through the first 15, 16 weeks of the season. Um, and Miami has only lost one game, and they were embarrassed and bounced back with a win. There are a couple wins, I guess. Um, they, you know, the last couple weeks, Dolphins have been a little bit of slow starters. They got behind Carolina 14-zip. I think they were kind of, you know, duking it out a little bit with the Giants the week before. The Eagles, the Eagles are not the kind of team you want to fall behind against. The way they run the ball, the way they can impose their will. I think, for me, a big key tonight will be how quickly Miami can get going offensively and kind of turn the tide because you think about it, you know, now Philly's lost the game. They're coming off a loss. They're at home, you know, under the light. And all of a sudden it's like, well, you just lost to the Jets. Now you got to go beat the Dolphins. I mean, it it could be a tall order. I think Miami's got a good shot. They got to feel good about their chances tonight. Yeah. I feel like Philly's been doing just enough to win games where you look at, at the Niners who are, I would say they're still the best team in football. Um, they impose their will. They beat the crap out of you. And the Eagles, you know, last year they were the Niners where they were going out and beating the crap out of everybody. And now, again, they're just doing just enough to, to win to win these games. And I feel like you just can't do that against really, really good football teams. I mean, let's. I guess we can look at the Eagles' schedule here and, and see what they – I mean, they played the Rams. They won by, shoot, that's nine. Okay. Played the Commanders, won by a field goal. Played the Bucks, won by 14. Played the Vikings. You know, you, you had an eight-point win or a six-point win, I'm sorry. And then the Patriots, you had a five-point win. Those that That's not exactly a gauntlet of teams. I mean, the Rams is a tough one. But besides that, Commanders, meh. Buccaneers, meh. Vikings, not good right now. And the Patriots, meh. I mean, they, they haven't been fantastic. So this is their first test. 
and I don't even count the Cowboys as a test, to be honest, because the Cowboys are not – they're not real to me. Um, this is our first test, and one of the few tests they're going to have all year. And if they fall behind quick, I don't think they can catch up. I don't think they've shown the, the high-powered offense that can catch up to what Miami does. Now, the one thing I'll say, Julio Jones, Eagle now. I wasn't yep. really a big fan of it just because of, you know, I, I think he's old, but – it, it reminds me of when Deshaun Jackson would bounce around late in his career. He would have one big game and then, you know, he'd, he'd go away for the rest, you know, and then he'd go to another team, but he'd have that one big game. Usually his first or his second game, he'd have a deep ball catch. I think Julio Jones, anytime touchdown score is actually a pretty good bet right now. Yeah. You never know. I mean, could be tapping into the fountain of youth, but um, yeah, we haven't seen that big aerial game from the Eagles yet and so and this would be a game tonight where I think you know Jalen Hurts is going to have to try to keep up and it'll be fun to see Jalen against Tua you know right that storyline yeah definitely uh former former Alabama um teammates also I mean Alabama they're they're definitely worse for the wear compared to what they were so uh good good for Alabama fans to look back and smile on those great times but um, that's all the games. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, I guess thank you all for watching. Uh, thank you, Michael, for coming on again. And uh, we will see sure. you next week.